Welcome to the Invest It Best podcast, a show about investing and financial markets, where you'll hear from some of Australia's top investment analysts and fund managers about their views on the market. The Invest It Best podcast is brought to you by Wilson, one of Australia's leading financial advisory firms with a proud and successful history spanning over 125 years. All information discussed in this podcast is for general information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. You should seek investment advice tailored to your circumstances before making any investment decision. Further disclosures follow at the conclusion of the episode. This is the Invest It Best podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Invest It Best podcast. Today, I'm lucky to be joined by Wilson's Head of Investment Strategy, David Cassidy, as we look at markets and get his thoughts on what it all means for investors. David, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Ted. It's great to be here once again. Let's jump straight into it. Dave, um, now I feel like sentiment has been pretty gloomy and um, consumer confidence is, is pretty low right now, but global and, and domestic equities keep grinding higher. So I'm interested in your thoughts on, on why this seems to be playing out. Yeah, I think that's a good question, Ted. I think there's a few sort of layers there to unpick in terms of that question. I think firstly, from a consumer sentiment perspective, sentiment surveys are, you're right, they, they are looking quite gloomy both here and in the US. But I think you've got to draw a distinction between those sentiment surveys and what's actually happening in respect of consumption. And the actual consumer in terms of consumer spending patterns are still relatively healthy. So sentiment, relatively gloomy. I think that's you know in large part because of what's been happening with interest rates. Uh, but spending patterns, at least for now, aren't too bad, both here and in the US. So from that perspective, the economy is still hanging in there surprisingly well, I think, in, in both the case of Australia and, and, and the US. I think that's part of the reason why markets are doing you know, relatively well. Beyond that, I think when you get to investor sentiment, and I think what I'm talking about here more is investor positioning, investor investor sentiment or positioning has also been fairly gloomy or, or, or defensive. So I think in some ways that's in part behind the rise in equities we've seen in recent months because the pain trade as often is talked about in investment markets is is for a rising equity market. And I think you've been seeing you know fairly gloomy disposition in respect of investors going into this year. Um, but you know because of that better than expected economic growth outcome, um, off the back of consumers, you know, a lot of professional investors and particularly fast money investors have been caught a little bit short equities. So they've had to sort of wade into the market and that's had the impact of, you know, forcing up equities at the margin over the last few months. So that's, I think, a large part of the story. Probably the other final aspect, aspect I've mentioned is that even though we're not quite there yet, we do look to be close to this long-awaited peak in official interest rates both in the US and Australia. So I think just that prospect of uh, the enders close is also, I think, adding to a little bit of upside pressure on on equity markets. So that's that's really probably the three layers of the onion in terms of you know why markets have been doing relatively well in recent months. You mentioned the US, so let, let's zoom in on that. What's happening over there? Actually, maybe let's start off with your thoughts on whether the US are going to head into a recession or not? 
Yeah, that's certainly, I guess that's probably now the key debate in investment markets. Will, will, will it be a, a hard or, or, or a soft landing? That's probably overtaken the debate around, you know, where inflation is going to peak. Because I think even though there's some debate about how far it's going to come down, I think there's an acceptance now that inflation has peaked and is going to come off you know, a fair amount over the next six to 12 months. So I think it's largely now an issue about just how much does the growth outlook or the economic outlook deteriorate, particularly in respect of the US. Um, as I said, you know, this hard landing, soft landing debate, um, I'm probably somewhere in between on that. I, I I think there's still reasonable probability that we can avoid a genuine hard landing in terms of a, a genuinely nasty recession. Um, so I think the, the the landing is going to be you know, softish. You know, it may be the case that we see a mild U.S. recession or a technical U.S. recession, uh, but I don't think it's going to be, um, even if it is a recession, a particularly nasty one. Um, so from that perspective, I think equities. With the falls we saw last year, particularly in respect of you know the S and P 500, um, you know falling you know 20 percent or a little bit more, you know peak to trough, you know probably something close to a mild recession was factored in last year. So as long as it's not a really nasty, deep, uh, protracted recession, um, I think it's plausible that we've seen the lows uh, in in the U.S. stock market, which was really last October. Um, it may not be a straight line uh, uptrend. But, you know, I think it, it is quite conceivable that, that the U.S. stocks have already priced something approaching a mild recession. And indeed, if we could avoid a recession entirely and get a genuine soft landing, you know, the holy grail, um, it, it's quite possible that um, U.S. stocks have, have significant upside over the next six to 12 months. So that's, I think, you know, that's really the core, core debate about, about the U.S. at the moment. You know, just how bad is the growth outlook going to get over the next year or so? So with that in mind, do you think from a Fed's perspective, inflation's coming off quick enough? I think the Fed's probably still a little bit more hawkish than financial markets. Um, I, I think markets are sort of sensing or sniffing out this peak in inflation and think it's going to happen. I think the Fed, certainly in terms of its rhetoric uh, around what it's going to do or not do with interest rates, is a little bit more cautious on this in inflation downswing. I think that's because they don't, firstly, don't want to get the markets get too far ahead of themselves. Uh, but also, I think they would privately concede that they uh, bugger things up in terms of too much policy stimulus, keeping rates too low for too long. And therefore, I think they think that probably the appropriate action now is to err on the side of caution and possibly keep rates a little bit higher than maybe they should just on the notion to be absolutely certain that they squeeze this you know residual inflation out of the system uh, over the next uh, six to 12 months whereas i think markets are just looking at the data and saying well we can see most of the lead indicators rolling over we're, we're pretty confident now that inflation is going to come off materially over, over the next over the next over the next year all right let's let's compare what's going on in the us right now to where we are back here in australia um how do we look in comparison to the us yeah, not too dissimilar. I think we've still got prima facie sticky inflation, but I think it comes off. It probably comes off a little bit more slowly here. I think I, I talked about some, you know, resilience and residual strength in the US economy. I think there's even more of a story around residual strength here in Australia at the, at the moment. What's a, what's that down to? I think it's probably down to 
the reality that the the economy had a lot of momentum going into this rate rise cycle. Um, you know, there's so much stimulus put into the system during that COVID period, late late 20 through 2021. Um, obviously, we've had you know very buoyant commodity prices. Um, you know, obviously, got a very tight labour market. Uh, we're, we're probably beyond full employment in terms of where the labour market is. So, from that perspective, the economy did have a lot of momentum. Uh, so, it's taking policy a fair while to get some traction. And remember, monetary policy always. You remember from students of economics that policy always works with long and variable lags. So in some ways, it's not unusual that the attraction in terms of slowing economic growth is not really evident yet. I think it's coming, but but you know it does take policy a fair while to work its way through the system. You've got lags between when policy rates goes up, go up and when you know interest rates actually get reset, particularly for people on fixed rate mortgages. You've probably heard about this fixed rate cliff that's coming uh, down the pipe over the next year or so. Uh, it's really only just starting now. So yeah, I think that's what we're dealing with domestically, an economy that doesn't look too dissimilar to the US, but probably still got a little bit more momentum and a little bit more inflationary momentum as well. Um, but I think the broad trends are you know, fairly similar. We'd, we'd expect things to slow down pretty materially over the next six to 12 months, but you know, avoid a hard landing and probably even more chance that Australia, I think, can avoid a genuine hard landing, even a higher probability of that, I think, than, than in the case of the US. And, and Dave, before we move on the, from Australia, what role does immigration play? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think, obviously, we, we didn't have, we didn't really have, we had, we had net outflows of, of um, immigrants there for quite a, a, a period during the, the pandemic. Now, finally, immigration's back with um, a bang, um, certainly in terms of what's been going on in recent months. And that process has really only just started to, to crank up. Um, bit of a double-edged sword. I, I think, you know, there was a necessary catch-up after, you know, as I said, a couple of years where we didn't see much at all in terms of immigration. But it's certainly coming through very quickly now. And it's probably not going to be too far in the future where we're back at the trend line in terms of our population trend after dipping well below the trend line uh, during the COVID period. So, you know, probably by the end of the year, we'll be back pretty close to that, that trend line. But I think the, the surge in migration is, is having two main impacts. Firstly, it's disinflationary from the extent of relieving some of this tightness in the labour market. So I think from that perspective, it, it's going to help put a lid on wages over, over the coming year or two. But the other side of the coin that there will still be this impact on housing. It's going to be inflationary in respect of, to some extent, house prices, all things equal, but particularly rental market. And we've already got some pretty major inflationary pressures building up in the rental market. So I think there's, you know, more to come there, clearly, because the inflation ramp up is really just beginning. There's a few factors driving that rental spike, but I think the impact of immigration is yet to be fully felt. So net net, I think it's disinflationary in terms of the overall system, particularly wages, but there is a sort of a, a sub story there around, you know, housing inflation, particularly rental inflation, uh, which is probably not going to be particularly welcome. Um, so that's that's certainly probably the, the, the key negative effect of, of, of the immigration surge we're, we're seeing playing out at the moment. 
All right, fascinating, Dave. And before we move on from Australia, um, you touched on the interest rate cliff. Listeners out there might be uh, very, very keen to know your thoughts on um, interest rate movements over over the coming months. How are you seeing that play out? Yeah, as I said, I think we're, you know, we're building up to this policy rate peak in the US, and I think also in, in Australia. I guess there's been some, I guess, buoyancy back in the housing market in the last month or two on the notion that the RBA might be finished with the cash rate at 3.6. I think that's possible, but but I'd still lean towards the view that the RBA might have at least one more rate rise in them. Policy rates in Australia do stand out as being relatively low in a, in a global context. If you look at us versus the US or, or our new neighbours, New Zealand, UK, our, our policy rate still looks a little bit on the low side. So I wouldn't be surprised if the RBA has at least one more and it wouldn't be impossible to see two more rate rises, but my central case is one more. So possibly the market's got a little bit ahead of itself with this notion that the RBA is done. Um, as I said, not an impossible scenario, but my, my base case would be at least one more uh, rate rise in, in sort of May or June from, from the RBA. Okay, thanks for that. Let's, let's shift across to emerging markets and and what you're seeing there. Maybe let's start off, um, what are you seeing with China right now? Yeah, well, China's interesting in that I think it's widely accepted that we'll be facing slower economic growth just about everywhere over the next uh, 12 months in the US, Australia, Europe. I think that's seen as a, something, of, you know, you know fait accompli. But China looks to be quite a different situation where almost certainly we're going to be dealing with a pickup in economic growth because they came out of covid well, they came out early, but then went back, back, went back into these series of you know, quite draconian COVID lockdowns over a long period of time. And I really only just dispensed with that policy six months ago. So you're really only just starting to see the, the ramp up in growth that places like Australia saw you know, some time ago. So I think China will be bucking the global trend and actually picking up over the next year, which in a lot of ways is good. It certainly helps Australia, helps the Asian region but also helps cushion the, the global growth slowdown, you know, China being the second biggest economy in the, in the world. So it is one of the reasons why we're more constructive on emerging markets. This notion that China picks up over, over the next year uh, should be quite supportive for emerging markets, which are obviously quite heavily tilted or by definition towards China, but, but Asia more broadly. Okay, interesting. Now that's that's China and emerging markets. We've already touched on the US and Australia. Let's round out the globe and discuss Europe. I feel like the last year, last year when we um, we spoke, it was almost inevitable that they would go into recession. But correct me if I'm wrong. This this hasn't played out, um, Dave. Why is that? I think Europe, I guess by European standards, has been a bit of a surprise packet in terms of growth being you know quite a lot better than feared. Uh, over the, the course of this calendar year. And I, th- I think a lot of that comes down to the big drop we saw in the, the, the gas price. Obviously, you saw a horrendous acceleration in uh, European gas prices off the back of the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine. But due to a combination of uh, good management and I think mostly good luck in terms of a very mild European winter, uh, the gas prices come off, come off dramatically. Um, it's still high. When you look at it compared to you know longer term averages, sort of five, 10, you know, 20 year averages, but it's 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 come down a long, long way from where it got to, you know, say six six months ago. 
And so the drag on economic growth is still there, but nowhere near as bad as as, as, as feared you know, six months ago. So European growth hasn't been too bad this year. Probably the, the sting in the tail there is that inflation, we saw some pretty nasty inflation numbers coming out of the UK uh, uh, recently, that the sting in the tail is that inflation has been probably stickier than, than, than expected. So I think Europe is not out of the woods yet in terms of policy rates there are still going up and, and, and quite possibly that does put the European economy into some sort of recession over the next six to 12 months. But certainly the, the energy price crisis is not as bad as it was and that's had positive implications uh, for economic growth. It's also had some positive implications for inflation, albeit with, with you know, employment, unemployment staying lower Wages growth is looking quite perky, and therefore, you know, maybe the inflation outlook is still a bit sticky, and therefore, you know, interest rates are, are continuing to go up in, in in Europe, and and therefore can't get too excited about the European growth outlook. I think they ultimately will succumb to some sort of recession, probably a mild one, but some sort of recession over over the next six to twelve months. So, as is often the case, Europe still doesn't look particularly bright in terms of its economic outlook. Okay, um, so Dave, let's let's wrap it all up. Um, summing up everything we've, we've discussed so far, what adjustments to portfolios have you been making recently? Yeah, well, obviously the big one last year, and that was made sort of progressively through the second half of last calendar year, was the the, the move back into fixed interest investments to bonds as rates moved up and fixed interest rates became you know a lot more, uh, I guess, uh, normal and sensible and attractive. So we made that move last year sort of held that position around about neutral compared to our longer term benchmarks. But the thing probably a little bit more recently is getting more constructive on emerging markets. As I said, with this Chinese growth acceleration, the prospect of the Fed pausing and then cutting policy rates, I think lays out a scenario where it hasn't really happened as yet, but the US dollar should come off the boil quite significantly over the next year. That's also typically a positive signal for emerging markets, and also after what's been a pretty like lackluster uh, couple of years, um, valuations are looking pretty undemanding in, in emerging markets. So good growth uh, tailwinds from China, tailwinds from the US dollar, and, and tailwinds from cheap valuations. Uh, I think you know the DM story for the, for the next twelve months and beyond. I think look look looks a lot better than it it has for for some time. So that's probably the most recent shift in in, in, in portfolio weightings that we've, we've made. Okay, let's wrap it up there. For Wilson's clients, before acting on anything discussed, um, best to speak with your Wilson's advisor. And for those that are not clients, if you're interested in speaking with a Wilson's advisor, you can request a call through the contact, contact us section of the website. David, thanks very much for this uh, chat. It's been absolutely fascinating. Thanks, Ted. It's been great to chat to you as always. You've been listening to the Invest at Best podcast. This podcast has been prepared by Wilson's. Wilson's has not independently verified any of the information given in this podcast. All effort is made to ensure information was accurate at the time of recording. No reliance should be placed on this podcast in making any investment decision. 
and past performance is no indication of future performance. The directors of Wilson's advise that they and persons associated with them and Wilson's may have an interest in financial products referred to in this podcast.